Acts 7 and Matthew 27. Laura flies home from Germany on Tuesday, so be in prayer for Laura. She's traveling, and I can't wait to see her. We've, you know, we've been married for 30, what year is it? 33 years now, and um, I'm kind of used to having her around, so really looking forward to seeing her. Uh, then tonight, I am heading to uh, Grove City, Ohio, New Life Baptist Church, starting a meeting there. Well, the guys helped me load up, helped me. The guys loaded up my trailer this morning, and uh, so I'll be setting up my Bible exhibit there. And so I'm back here Wednesday. Don't miss Wednesday night. We, we are starting a series called A Dispensational Look at Joshua. And what an amazing study. So be there at 6.30 on Wednesday night. I think that you'll really enjoy that study. And uh, then I'm back over in uh, Grove City Thursday and Friday. I'm back with you guys on Sunday. So it's going to be a busy week, but be in prayer for all of those things. So we are studying the book of Acts, and it is the beginning of our story. But our theme for the year is not ashamed. How many of you think people need to be saved in 2024? Right? And God's method of doing that is us. And what I want us to see is how Stephen, in his sermon, now we've already looked at the sermon, but we're going to look at it in a different way this morning, how Stephen was not ashamed. He was not ashamed. And I hope that this encourages us for in the face of people who will not listen, that we can preach. Let me show you one thing. So you have Matthew 27 and you have Acts chapter 7. Look at the book of Jude. We're doing Jude in my class, which is, of course, the best class here at Grace Baptist Church. So Jude, and look at verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. So the Bible is telling us that Jude was prophesying that the Lord is going to come back and execute judgment on the earth. And we know the Bible in Genesis chapter 5 says, And Enoch walked with God and was not, for the Lord took him. The Bible in the book of Hebrews lets us know that he was taken to heaven to be with God without dying, and that... Almost immediately after Enoch was taken, the great flood happened. So it's a beautiful picture of the church being taken out before the tribulation. How many of you are thankful that the church gets to be taken out before the tribulation? Some of you aren't excited at all. You want to go through the tribulation. That's especially Eli, I can tell. He's ready. Dad, I think he needs some more tribulation in his life. I think that that's what's going on. But I'm very thankful that that's going to happen but what was interesting about the life of Enoch is that in a time when people would not listen, at a time when the world was more wicked than it had ever been, and is probably more wicked, was probably more wicked than it will ever be again until the tribulation, he preached the truth anyway. That's what it meant to walk with God. I want to walk with God. In this world of distractions and everything else that's going on, I want to walk with God. But if I'm going to walk with God the way those in the Scriptures walked with God, there, there's a, a separation that takes place where we're separated from the world to God. 
In what way? Primarily in the way that we speak. In the way that we live in the world and the way that we represent Christ. So let's look at this life of Stephen. We'll start in Acts chapter 6. I know I announced Acts chapter 7. But I want to see a couple of things before we actually get into his sermon so if you look in verse chapter 6 and verse 7, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Wouldn't it be cool to see a bunch of religious people get saved? That's what happened here. Verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. So then there's a dispute that arises. Verse 10, And they were not able to resist the wisdom of and the spirit by which he spake. Do you know what happens when you walk with the Lord? You have wisdom and a spirit that the world can't resist. Be honest. How many of you, you right now, know that especially with what's going on in the world, you need wisdom. A lot of deception going on. We need wisdom. But we also need a specific spirit. And we'll see that spirit in Stephen here in two or three hours when we're done. Verse 11, then they suborned men which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So how did he speak blasphemous words against Moses? We're going to see it here in his sermon. He does it again. He says, Moses' law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. How about, look, look what it says, and against God. How is he speaking blasphemy against God? Saying Jesus is God. Then... They set up false witnesses. He's brought before the council in verse 12. They set up false witnesses in verse 13. Verse 14, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. What did Jesus say? Destroy this temple and I'll, tear and I'll raise it up again in three days. But he was talking about the temple of his body. Tabernacle of his body. So again, they're, they're twisting his words, but they are saying what Jesus said. And then, again, change the customs which Moses delivered us. We don't have to make sacrifices anymore. That veil was rent in two. We don't bring sacrifices anymore. We bring a sacrifice of praise to our Lord. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice. So we don't have to die for him. We might have the, we might have the privilege of being a martyr, but we don't have to die for him. But we are supposed to live for him. That's what it means to walk with the Lord. And look at what it says in verse 15. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. So they're attacking him for saying things against Moses, and God gives him the same sign that he had given Moses. Remember Moses came down, and they had to put a shield over his face because his face was glowing? What does God do here? He gives Stephen that same sign. Apparently, the God of Moses is the God of Stephen. And that's just the beginning. God does that as he sets up this sermon. So I want us to see this. Let's go to the Lord and pray. And uh, let's, let's just see what it means to be not ashamed. Lord, please help us. Be with Dr. Ree, our friend. Lord, uh, I hate it to hear that he is not well. Please help his back. I know he loves to be active. Please help our friend. Lord, many others are going through things. I know that Jeremy with his mom's estate, and some of those things that are going on. Of course, my brother-in-law attempting to preach this morning with his wife gone to heaven. Father, a lot of people need you, but right now we want to focus on your word. 
Father, help us as we look at this sermon of Stephen. And Lord, I pray that you will give us this same kind of boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. So look at what verse 1 says of chapter 7. Then said the high priest, are these things so? So they had accused him of, of degrading the temple, of degrading Moses, of blaspheming God. Are these things so? So what does he do? He preaches to them what he has been saying about Moses, about the temple, about Jesus, and about God. That's what happens right here. He is actually answering their questions. We heard that you said this. Is that so? Well, let me tell you what I said. He took the opportunity to say it again. And so let's, let's, let's look at it. Verse 2. And boy, his introduction, they love the introduction. And he said, men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charan, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Charan, and from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell. And he gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on it, yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him when as yet he had no child. I do want to say this. If you don't have a Bible with you, we have Bibles that you can actually see now in the chair in front of you. So now we're in Acts chapter 7 and verse 6. And God spake on this wise that his seed should sojourn in a strange land and that they should bring them into bondage and entreat them evil 400 years. And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God. And after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. And he gave him a covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begat Jacob. And Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs. And, you know, th these guys are thinking, well, well, this isn't bad. I remember I had, uh, I was meeting with a college president. I was doing a conference near where this college was. The college, uh, the vice president had come to the meeting, and I had gotten a lot of questions about the Bible from students in this college. And so I asked this vice president if he would meet me for breakfast so I could tell him about the discussions that I've been having with some of their graduates. And so he came, but he brought the college president with him. And this whole thing started, the college president started questioning me. But I've heard that you believe some strange things about the church. I mean, that, that's the way that it started. I'm thinking, wow. What? I said, what things? Well, what do you believe about the local church? Well, I believe the church was begun by Jesus Christ. It was an empowered at Pentecost, and it was ordered, structured, and propagated by the Apostle Paul. I believe the primary emphasis of the New Testament is the local church, and I believe that every saved person is baptized into the body of Christ because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. And he went like this, sat back. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I think, what did you hear about me that I had been preaching? And But what was fun, was, and then he was disinterested in the whole conversation the rest of the time. He thought that he had a fight on his hands, and he came found out we agreed, and he wasn't interested in the conversation anymore. What's happening here is these Pharisees, these Sadducees, this council, 
they're hearing things they agree with. And you can just kind of tell that I'll bet they like it. And then verse 9 comes. So he ends talking about the patriarchs at the end of verse 8. Now, the patriarchs, those are the, the, the sons of Jacob that were the fathers of the 12 tribes. So the patriarchs. Verse 9, And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. So keep your place here. Go to Matthew chapter 27. Where else do we find men moved with envy? Matthew chapter 27. This is when Jesus is near to be crucified. Matthew 27, look at verse 15. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? Now, I want you to notice how Pilate refers to Jesus through this whole interaction. All right, did they believe Jesus was the Christ? Did the religious leaders of Israel believe that Jesus was the Christ? No. Pilate, it's like he's sticking a thumb in their eye through this whole thing. Verse 18, notice what it says. For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. Hold your place here. Go back to Acts 7. Verse 9, And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. And of course we know that Joseph is a just an amazing picture of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to see through this whole sermon. He's pointing to Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus. He's point, Why? Because he's not ashamed. He has a, a scriptural basis and a living basis for his message, so he's not ashamed. All right, back to, back to Matthew 27, verse 18. For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with, this, with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. They knew Jesus was just. Everyone knew that Jesus was just. Even Pilate's wife knew that Jesus was just. But they also knew that this was for envy. Verse 20, But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas... Look at these words, and destroy Jesus. What a word. I hadn't noticed, for some reason I hadn't noticed that word. Destroy him. Destroy him. Verse 21. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain, Barabbas or Jesus, whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus that is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And in the book of Mark, we know that, that Pilate said to him, that, that you call king of the Jews. That's what Pilate said to them. The one that you call 
king of the Jews. And they're thinking, he's not our king. He's not our king. And that is the whole message of Stephen. You refuse to submit to your Lord and king. That's the message. So back to Acts chapter 7, verse 9. And the patriarchs, moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. God was not with the patriarchs. Why? Because they had sold Joseph into slavery. Who was God with? Joseph. The patriarchs were moved with envy. God wasn't with them. He was with the one that was put into slavery, that was put into suffering. And God raised him up to sit him on the throne. And God was with him, not the patriarchs. Do you see the sermon? I got to stop right here. How many of you are familiar with the story of Joseph? Right? How, how, he, was, he was Jacob's favorite. Parents, don't have favorites among your kids. And if you do, don't tell them. So his brothers were moved with envy because of the coat that he was given, the way that he was treated. And so they were going to kill him. They decided finally just to throw him in a pit. And they, they, they sold him to some slave traders that came by. Okay, so that's the story of Joseph. Then Moses. Moses, how many of you know the story of Moses? Right? Moses was a Hebrew and God had raised him up. But before God raised him up, the Pharaoh decided to kill all of the Hebrew children under a certain age. And so his mother, Moses' mother, hid him in an amazing thing, an amazing way. At three months old, I think, the, the Pharaoh's daughter discovered him in the reeds, and he was raised in the king's palace. How many of you know that, that story, right? And then God used him to lead the children out of Israel. How about David? Have any of you ever heard of David and Goliath and now that he was the king and that God wouldn't let him build the temple because he was too bloody of a man and so he had his son Solomon build the temple? How many of you know that story? None of us know those stories, those accounts, as well as the men that Stephen is preaching to. They lived in it, literally. Every day, they were focused on those words and those accounts. So when I point some things out in this sermon that may seem somewhat obscure to you, they were not missed by the people Stephen was preaching to. You follow what I'm saying right here? Really important that you get this. They knew exactly what he was saying. They knew they were moved with envy when they crucified Jesus, just as Joseph's brothers were moved with envy when they sold him in slavery. So now, let's go back to this. So I want you to notice the sermon that Stephen is preaching to these rulers. Jesus was rejected by the leaders of his own nation, but God was with him. They delivered Jesus to be crucified, and yet God was with him. He was delivered out of the grave three days and three nights later. And just like Joseph, he came through his afflictions and sits as king and ruler over the very people who had rejected him. How many know Jesus Christ is the king of the Jews? Right? Whether they accept him or not, at this point, he is their king and they will bow. 
And that is what they refused to do. Stephen is masterfully using the life of Joseph to demonstrate to the leaders exactly what they had done to Jesus. Now, look at what it says. Go back to our text. Verse 9, And the patriarchs, moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him, and delivered him out of all his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now there came a dearth over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard that there was corn in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And at the second time, Joseph was made known to his brethren, and Joseph's kindred was made known unto Pharaoh. So what's happening in this account? Joseph, this picture of Christ, has been in the pit just as Jesus was in the grave. They thought his father thought that he had died. Jesus did die. Joseph is raised up out of the pit and he's raised up to be a king. Jesus Christ is raised up out of the grave and he is ascended to sit on the right hand of the father and he is king of kings and lord of lords and he will be worshipped. But what happens before he's worshipped? The king is on the throne. Joseph is on the throne. But what happens? There's going to be seven years of famine. Seven years of trouble while the king's on the throne. And what does that cause? That causes his brethren to come and kneel before him and call him Lord. The same brother, Judah, who had wanted him to die, who had spared his life, He's the one who comes and kneels at Joseph's feet and calls him Lord and says, I will be a servant to you just like the prodigal son said. I'm no longer a son. I'm a servant. Do you know what happens when Jesus Christ comes? Oh, wait a minute. Look look at the text. Wait. Verse 11. Now there came a dearth over all the land of Egypt and Canaan and great affliction and our fathers found no sustenance. Remember, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. What's coming? Look at what it says in verse 13. And at the second time, Joseph was made known to his brethren. You know what's going to happen on the second time? Matthew or Zechariah chapter 12 says, they, they, they shall see me and they shall mourn for me. Why? Because they'll see me whom they have pierced and they'll mourn for him as for their only son. What is, what is Stephen saying to them? Just as Joseph was rejected, elevated by God, and then bowed before, there's going to come a time when Jesus Christ, who is elevated, who is your king, you will bow before him. You will acknowledge that he's your king. That's the sermon that Stephen is preaching. Do you think Stephen was not ashamed? He believed the Bible, and he believed Jesus Christ. There's coming a time of hardship and famine. This happens even though Joseph is on the throne. And the result brings Joseph's brethren. Wow. Wow. Look at verse... Let's just keep reading in our text. So we read verse 13. Now look at verse 14. Then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob to him and all his kindred, threescore and fifteen souls... So Jacob went down into Egypt and died, he and our fathers, and were 
carried over into Shechem and laid in the sepulcher that Abraham had bought for a sum of money of the sons of Emor, the father of Shechem. But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, look at what it says. The people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose, which knew not Joseph. The same dealt subtly with our kindred and evil entreated our fathers. And look at what it says. So that they cast out their young children to the end, they might not live. Now, let's read the next verse. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. Okay, now don't miss this. Remember, these men know this story better than we do, but in a way that you might not be thinking of. Do you remember when the wise men from the east came to Herod? We seek he who is to be born, who is born king of the Jews. And so what did, what did he do? What children did he kill? How old? I want you to think about something. Every child, two years and younger, was killed. Do you think these men in the council knew that? Here's how you know that. So, I was listening to Brother Knox on this. Some of this stuff came from a lesson he did in his Bible Institute. And he said that according to the people that he's read, that this, this through Acts... From, from the crucifixion of Christ to where we are in Acts, this is somewhere between six and eight years. So think about this. That means there is no one in that council that's 40 years old, 41 years old, 42 years old. Imagine if there was a time when at Sydney High School, there are no sophomores, there are no juniors, there are no seniors. Why? They were all killed. Have you, have you heard of a, of, a, of a time, some of you might know when this happened just recently, there was a terrible bus accident on I-70 and some, some children from, a, from a, a high school were killed. Imagine if every child in the nation was killed. That's what happened when Moses was raised up. These men were very familiar with that because just as God had raised up Moses, Satan knew that and so wanted to destroy the seed. And just as God was raising up Jesus Christ, Satan knew that and in a demonic way wanted to murder the children. Remember, only demonic People want to murder babies. These men knew. These men knew what he was talking about. And so think about how bold Stephen is being in referencing this. Look at verse 21. Oh, I've I, I got to say this. Look at the wording. In verse 19, the same dealt subtly 
with our kindred and evil entreated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end that they might not live. Remember how they cast them out? They threw them in the river like garbage. What's in the Nile River? Yeah. They were feeding them to, I don't know if it's a crocodile or alligator, I don't know the difference. These horrible creatures. They fed those children to them, cast them out like they're garbage. That's what paganism is, folks. What do they do with these aborted children? They put them in a dumpster. They sell their body parts to be experimented on. It's just garbage. It's just a lump of cells. Don't we need some people to stand up against that? Look at what it says in verse 22. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. What did they say about Jesus? No man spake as this man spake. They, they couldn't withstand his wisdom. That, that was Jesus mighty in word and in deeds? He had conquered death, raising people from the dead. Lazarus and the widow's daughter. That, that raising people from the dead. He had conquered demons. Legion. These others, he throws them, casts them into the pigs and they run off the cliff. Mighty signs and wonders. He walked on water. These people knew about his miracles. They knew who he was. And just as Moses was mighty in word and deed, Jesus Christ, he's talking about Moses, but he's preaching Jesus. And they're getting madder and madder and madder. Is that a word? Oh, look at this. So verse 23, And he was full 40 years old. It came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. Jesus Christ came to be the deliverer of his people. You see, he's talking about Moses, but he's preaching Jesus. Um, verse 25. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And look at what they said. Verse 26. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, you know, brought them back together saying, Sirs, ye are brethren, why do ye wrong one another, one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and judge over us? What did they say to Jesus? We have no king but Caesar. You're not going to rule over us. You see Stephen's sermon? This is what he's preaching. He was not ashamed of Jesus. Here's the, here's the cool thing. He believed the Bible. He preached the Bible and preached Jesus, just like us. And he's not ashamed, not ashamed. Oh, my, it gets better. Look what it says in verse 29. Then fled Moses at this saying and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. 
And when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in the bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight. And as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst not be behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I have seen, I, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt. I have heard their groanings and am come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send thee into Egypt. No, wait a minute. So when Moses, he comes to that bush, and how many of you think that, the, that these Jewish leaders knew this story? Moses comes to the bush, who shall I say sent me? What did God say? I am. Oh, wait a minute. What did Jesus say? I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. Jesus claimed to be the great I am. He's talking about Moses. He's talking about the burning bush. He's preaching Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's not ashamed. He is not ashamed. And remember what he's doing. Just as Enoch in a dark and wicked world preached the truth and preached about the coming judgment, Stephen standing in this council before the very people that had killed Jesus Christ, is boldly proclaiming the truth to them. You see, we don't preach for results. You know, Pastor, you keep preaching that way, people won't come. Man, I haven't had anybody say that to me in years. You know why? They know it won't do any good. We're just going to say what the Bible says. And God's people will love what the Bible says. And so we have to take that spirit out into the world. But we're not done. We're not done. I want you to see something in verse 34. God said, I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning and am come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send thee into Egypt. So that's what he's telling Moses. You're going to go and you're going to deliver them. Verse 35, this Moses, oh, look at what it says, whom they refused. You see, Moses had to perform all kinds of miracles from God before those Jews would believe that, it's, that he was the one. And even out in the wilderness, after God had done great miracles, they still doubted that he was the one. As a matter of fact, most of them had to die in the wilderness because they did not believe that Moses was the one that would lead them into the promised land. You see what he's preaching to them? So, verse 35, "...this Moses whom they refused, saying, "'Who made thee a ruler and a judge?' The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. And he brought them out after that he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. Verse 37, don't miss this. This is that Moses 
which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me him shall ye hear. Jesus was one of their brethren. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He did the signs and wonders of Moses. He was raised up the way Moses was. Satan killed the children and delivered Moses the same way that he killed the children and delivered Jesus. And where did Moses, where was Moses protected? In a house in Egypt. Where did Joseph and Mary take Jesus to a house in Egypt when I was there in 2019 in Cairo? We were taken to this church, this ancient church that was built over the site where traditionally Jesus and Mary had lived. Went down into the grotto and saw where possibly Jesus, Mary, and Joseph had lived in this spot. What's he saying? Just as Moses was delivered by God, just as Moses was delivered in Egypt, Jesus Christ was sent by God, was raised up by God, was delivered in Egypt, and he came to be your deliverer. And what did you do? You thrust him out. Look at what the text says. Verse 37, this is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the, shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me him shall ye hear. This is he. Oh, wait a minute. This is weird. That was in the what? What's it say? Everybody look at your text. Verse 38, this is he that was in the... Your Bible's got a mistake. Just clearly, there was no church back then. Oh, wait a minute. Who were the first believers of Jesus Christ? Who were they? Were they Jews? Right? They were Jews. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. That's Stephen. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. The church was still in Jerusalem. God's going to use Saul to scatter them abroad and eventually out of Antioch. We're going to see that in future sermons if the Lord doesn't return. But he uses the word church here. It's an amazing thing. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. And then notice what he says in verse 45. Which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles. Now, some of you have a footnote there, and it says Joshua. All the modern Bibles change Jesus to Joshua. Why? Because in the historical account, it's Joshua that does this. The only problem is the Bible says in the Greek, Jesus. The Holy Spirit said Jesus. How many people do you, how many of you believe that the Holy Spirit knows the difference between Jesus and Joshua? Well, that was the same name. Thou shalt call his name, for he shall save his people from their sins. Why is he called Jesus? Because that identifies him as the Savior. And here in this message, they're persecuting the church. Stephen says it was the church. He's talking about how the children of Israel came in and Joshua led them into the land. But he says it was Jesus. Can you imagine what these guys are doing? 
What, what church? What do you mean? What Jesus? It's not Jesus. Just like modern Bible translators. It's not Jesus. Here's what's fun. The King James translators were amillennialists. That means they didn't believe in, in the thousand-year reign of Christ. They thought that that was a myth. They thought it was allegory. They wouldn't have taught that it's Jesus Christ that's going to bring in the kingdom. But the Holy Spirit knew it and put it in the book of Acts. And Stephen was not ashamed to preach it. Why? Because he was a holy man of God who spake as he was moved by the Holy Ghost. Wow. Wow. This Moses, the same one, this this church, they were added to the church and they were still assembled at Jerusalem. Moses, the prophet, sent by God to rule over the people. In the midst of those people, the Jews said, we do not want him to rule over us. At that very moment, Jesus, the Lord, was standing in their midst and they thrust him out. They thrust out Jesus through Calvary, just as they did Joseph. They thrust out Jesus when the church was present, just as he's describing with Moses. Verse 38. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give to us. What are those lively oracles? That's the, the law to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt. What did they want to go back to? Slavery. Make us gods to go before us in verse 40. Verse 42. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven. I want you to think about something. Man, don't miss this. You got to get your mind around this. When that veil was rent in two when Jesus Christ was crucified, now they could actually see into that holy of holies, into that holiest of all. And do you know what wasn't there? The Ark of the Covenant. Look at Ezekiel chapter 8 and 9. That's gone. So do you know what everyone who went into the temple, who saw that veil rent in two, who saw into the Holy of Holies. Do you know what they knew? God was not there. Because God would be on the mercy seat, on the Ark of the Covenant, in the temple. So notice what Stephen preaches to them. That every, every bit of their life was based around the temple and this temple worship. And look at what it says in verse. Look at verse 46. Who found favor, talking about David, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob, but Solomon built him a house. Howbeit the, oh, wait a minute. Howbeit the most high dwells not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. God's not in that temple. This religion that you're preaching, God has given you up. Your religion is done. There's only one way to go. You can go to hell or you can follow Jesus. But, well, wait a minute. Look, look, look please, don't, don't miss this. 
Verse 49, verse, verse 48 for the context. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, saith the prophet, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne, and earth my footstool. What house will ye build, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? So here, God's not in the temple. God's not in the heavens. God doesn't dwell in anything made with hands. Where is he? Well, we know. He's in the believer. He's in the believer. Do you see what Stephen is preaching? Wow. Wow. I want you to see something again. Verse 45. Which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David. So that's talking about the land. Jesus brought them into the land. And then Jesus and God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, were in the tabernacle. You see? But now they're not there. Y'all see that? This is an amazing thing. You had the law, the sacrifices, and the tabernacle. But you didn't have the land. You didn't have peace. You didn't have victory until Jesus. Do you know where the Jews are now? They don't have the land. They have some of it. They don't have the land. They don't have the victory. Do they have peace? Why? They don't have Jesus. The message is still true. I want you to see something. Look with me at verse 51. So he's been nice to them so far. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. What, what did they glory in? Their religion. But that religion was done. They gloried in their circumcision. He calls them uncircumcised in heart and ears. And stiff-necked. I may have said this recently, but I just had this pointed out to me. Stiff-necked. What does that mean? It means they won't do this. They won't bow. So notice what he says. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. The patriarchs did it. The children of Israel in the wilderness did it. You are doing it today. Which of the fathers have your fathers, have not the, your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one of whom ye have now been the betrayers and murderers. Don't miss this. Please don't miss this. What did he just call them? The betrayers and what? The betrayers and what? So remember what they what Peter had preached. Peter had preached they did it ignorantly. Remember, in Jewish law, there is forgiveness for manslaughter. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They've had these years of preaching, 
They've had the very presence and preaching of Jesus. They've had the very presence and preaching of the apostles. They've had the signs and wonders of the apostles. They've had the veil rent in two. Look at the change. Verse 52. End of the verse. Of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. No longer manslaughter. They're no longer doing it ignorantly. They knew the message. And they rejected it. They thrust it out. And Stephen is saying, you are done. You are condemned. So here's the question for us. Stephen was clearly not ashamed. Would you all agree with that? Are we willing to condemn the world that we live in in the way that Stephen did? Remember, you have to be saved from something. Jesus doesn't want to be your friend. He wants to be your Savior. And in order for that to happen, there has to be repentance. Look at what it says. Verse 53, end of verse 52, of whom ye have now, ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. Verse 53, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. Think about it. Here, look, don't miss it. Go back to the beginning of the chapter. It's actually chapter 6 and verse 15. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. How about that? You've received the law by disposition of angels. And God has given you a visible sign in me of the message. But here's the problem. When sinners are confronted with the truth, especially those in power, here are your two options, only two. You can repent or you will rage. How many of you have given the gospel to somebody and made them mad? You can repent or you can rage. And look at what happens. Verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. The conviction of God was there. How merciful is God? Isn't he wonderful? They heard it this time. And it it pierced their heart. But they still would not bow. Why? They were stiff-necked. Here's what's amazing. Verse 54. This is the part that I said we would get to. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. How out of control would you have to be to start biting someone? Y'all see that? These are the leaders. Nancy Pelosi's teeth would fall out before she could do this. She would do it, though. Mitch McConnell would do it. He didn't freeze up first. Verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. 
One of the most important words in your Bible is but. It shows a contrast. Look at the difference between those men and Stephen. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. What's the lesson for us? Don't look at your enemies. Look at Jesus. And what's interesting is his being filled with the Holy Spirit and his seeing Jesus is in direct contrast to their anger and violence. What does that mean? Somehow, we as believers, in our testimony for Christ and being not ashamed, somehow we have to be able to condemn the world without hating them. We have to condemn the world without a heart of violence. We have to be able to condemn the world while keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ so we don't get distracted by the evil and wickedness of those people. And it changes our message. Amen? Wow. Not ashamed. Not ashamed. And look at what it says in verse 56. And said, Stephen, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. I want you to think about something. I, I have said, I've told you before, some people think this was the last chance for Israel, and I've actually, I, I don't know that I believe that anymore, but um, why is Jesus standing? Here's an interesting thought. I'm about to tell you an opinion, okay? I'm not preaching this as doctrine, but I want you to think about it. John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Why is he standing? What if Jesus stands and comes to get every one of his martyrs to escort them home? Had he prepared a place for, for Stephen? He came and took him. To, I don't know if that's true or not, but how many think that might fit with the Scriptures? We don't know why he was standing, but we do know that he revealed himself to Stephen in his time of martyrdom. And then look at what it says. Verse 56, And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I'm sorry, verse 57, And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. Listen to what they're doing. He's saying, I see Jesus. That's the one that they had killed. He's saying he's at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying to Jesus as if Jesus is God. Is Jesus God? And what do they do? They scream. They rage. Why? So they can't hear him. Not only that, they did this. It's crazy. And so, they stoned him. Verse 57 and they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. It is interesting. The people who hate God 
gather together in a way that many Christians don't. See, the apostles were all with one accord to follow him. Here, they're with one accord against him. I'd rather be with God's people. I'd rather be in union and in unity with God's people. Why? Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Look what it says in verse 58, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What is he saying to them? Remember, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus, the Father, the Father always answers the Son's prayer. Peter said, you did this ignorantly. Stephen had indicted them as murderers. And then when they murdered him, he says, Father, don't lay this. Don't lay my death to their charge. There is no, there is no evidence that God answered that prayer. Why? They knew what they were doing. They were murderers. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this into their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen. He was not ashamed of the gospel. He was not ashamed. And I would imagine he knew what would happen if he preached that truth. So the question is, are you and I, are we ashamed of the gospel? Why don't we tell people? Now, that sounds like a really, you know, like, a, why don't you? And I said, why don't we tell people? Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. I mean, let's all stand. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. Who here, raise your hand if you're not ashamed of the gospel. Raise your hand. Well, then let's, let's tell people. Let's, let's tell people that this world is condemned that their sin is condemned. And the Bible says, he that believeth not is condemned already. You're not waiting for judgment. You're not waiting to be condemned. you already condemned. You need to be saved. Please get saved. Trust Christ. Believe the gospel. How many of you believe that's the message? You really believe that's the message? We have to tell people. Not ashamed of the gospel. And if you're here today, you might be coming to church. You might have been coming here for years and years and years. And, and you are putting on the trappings of Christianity. You, you say certain things and, and you don't do certain things and you do do certain things. None of that will save you. Have you repented of your sins? You might be here today and you don't like what was preached today. The Holy Spirit's piercing your heart and you got two options, repent or rage. We need to repent. Why? Because every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess that he is Lord. Amen? Not ashamed. Not ashamed. Wow. Stephen. How many of you, Stephen is more a more significant character than you might have thought in the past? Me too. So good to study this in the scriptures. If you're not born again, get born again. The rest of us... Let's follow Stephen's example, even if it means that we get to go see Jesus. Amen? Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word. Father, change us. Change us. We're so distracted by the world and everything in it, all the trappings of the world. Father, help us 
to be sanctified, set apart for you.